Welcome to Home Alone for the Holidays, the podcast where we talk about the holiday classic Home Alone in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm your other host, Brian. And with us today, uh, from, from well, from, from a lot of places, from the never-ending Story Minute, from Return to Oz Minute, MASH Minute, and the upcoming Joe versus the Volcano, it's Tierney. Hello. Welcome. I just like, did a little thing with my fingers. That doesn't work in this medium. <laughs> we Sorry. heard it. We, you know, <laughs> yes. It comes out in your voice. We heard the fingers. It was implied. <laughs> okay. Well, so thanks everyone for joining us for part two of our Home Alone for the Holidays. If you remember, part one uh, wrapped up on that cliffhanger with, uh, with, with Kate McAllister saying, I hope we didn't forget anything. And we wake up on part one, and it turns out they may have forgotten a little something. <laughs> you wake up on part two, and the little something's opening the door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have to say, I am so much more sympathetic now that I have a little boy whose hair looks like this in the morning. <laughs> like, he came out the door, and it's all mussed up, and I'm just like, like, the mom in me just instantly was like, Kevin's all alone. Oh. <laughs> He's so little. He is. He is. Yeah. Well, so you and you, this, um, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this. So have you ever, have you forgotten Patrick the way they forgotten Kevin? No. Okay. Well, I, guess, I mean, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely haven't gotten to go to Paris out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I, a, yeah. No, I'm just trying to think like the closest I've come to that. And it, it's really not. It's more we have a bad habit of putting him in his stroller, buckling him in, pointing him to his stroller to the door and then being like, oh, wait, I forgot to do this. And it's like he's just staring at the door like, where, where'd you guys go? What's, <laughs> what's happening? I can't I can't see around this. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's really, it, come on, it's impossible, right? This would never really actually happen, could it? Maybe it could. Disappear. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, people get forgotten that happens, but I think even, be, and I mean, the security is much different. They're basic, I mean, you're never going to get on a plane where you say, just run back to coach and take whatever seat's available. But even in the 90s, I I. I would think they would go through and like check each individual ticket. I mean, just the idea that you could run up with a bunch of people and then just throw a bunch of paper in an airline folder at the agent. And they're like, okay, these must be tickets. Just get on the plane. I gotta tell you, and it is weird to say in 2019, and I'm really sorry to bum everyone out right before Thanksgiving, 9-11 happened. And I think we forget how different airports were before that. I mean, security the, really was a joke. I remember people just hanging out at gates, waiting to see people off. It it was very different. Now, obviously, this is exaggerated for... Right. I mean, what about movie? the parents' responsibility? I mean, are we just relying on TSA to save everybody's kids from being <laughs> left? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, parents can be... Particularly when you've got five of them. Yeah. I, I, it's it's the group thing. There was a full house yeah. episode with this same idea too, where it's like a group of kids that Stephanie Tanner just joins and walks on the plane <laughs> with. And 
<laughs> very different age. But yeah, no, the, the worst I've ever heard is like the parent walks into the store, looks around and goes, wait a minute. And then I have to like run back to the car because their kid is still buckled in the car seat. Again, just sitting there going like, where, where did the grown up go? Is the grown up coming back? <laughs> <laughs> and I do wonder if we, would they land the plane? Like, let's say you did say, oh, I forgot my son i wonder mm-hmm. if they'd actually be able to land let's say somewhere or do they just keep going i have a I mean, real just, problem. Hey, listen. i had to watch this section a couple times to figure out what the timeline was and to remember like the rotation of the earth because it's nighttime but it's not and so i think what they're implying is that they are over the atlantic ocean when she realizes yeah oh, yeah i mean in the movie, I mean, yeah they're 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 going they're landing over seas. There's no turning back. Yeah. So I think that, and I'll, I'll give them a huge shout out. I mean, God only knows how much money American gave these people. We're like, the pilot <laughs> is trying to get them to call, you know, like the phones yeah. are down, but they're trying to call the house. They're doing everything they can for her. I mean, because like, this is the parents worst nightmare. And yeah. they really, make a point of showing that like well the airline does everything they can yeah mm-hmm. but yeah i, I don't that would stop the story from going forward yeah but i i don't think they they wouldn't turn the plane around yeah i don't for, think so no. yeah, i think you're right i think you would just be landing and then having to deal with it then especially if you had taken off from chicago and we're going to paris and you're already over, yes. you know what I mean? Like at that point, it does make more sense to land and then right. get them mm-hmm. on the next plane back. Right. Yeah. And um, now, getting to the actual section of this movie, <laughs> I did want to say I, I don't think I mentioned it last time, and I know Sean, you did not watch the director's commentary. It is very interesting for anybody wanting to watch. Uh, it's Macaulay Culkin and Chris Columbus uh, on the track, and it, it's pretty insightful. I, I would say it's one of the better commentaries. Um, okay. Good. But what they talk about is. The dressing on the house, the paints, the greens. Uh, oh, I'm just looking as he's God, opening the house. door. I mean, it was totally configured that way. He wanted to make it holidays, Christmas looking, this, these warm colors, the lighting. And now, having seen it or having heard him, you really could see it. If you see in the scene here, once he's opening the door, that's real deep green, the, the mm-hmm. red kind of, I don't know, what the wallpaper? I guess? There's a wallpaper archway. Yeah, the wallpaper. And also, when he goes down to the kitchen, like this whole opening scene where he's walking through, this is the most 90s house that ever 90s. My God. (laughs) They're just wooden chairs and wallpaper, floral, but with framed photographs over it everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Well, in like poinsettia. I mean, and there's so the, the, the the wall the paint and the wallpaper are things that I'm assuming that they don't do just for Christmas, but there's little poinsettias all over the place, and even the, the tree in the hallway, the tree in the hallway. But he, like the 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 pans and the the teapot in the kitchen are red. Every yeah, and the the yeah, everything is just on point, just red and green all over the place. Uh huh. Um, and I still like how they really still show you the house geography. Just because it's going to be so important, as we were saying about setups, I just think you really get to see, okay, he's coming out and it's, so he's going downstairs there. Here's where the kitchen is relative to the staircase and all the locations. I feel like they do it really well in this movie. 
There's a TV in the yeah. kitchen, which will come into play later. And again, is like the most 90s thing ever. <laughs> and he puts on my favorite Christmas movie. Ah, very yeah. good. Well, it's so. My, so I love, I'll just say it really quickly. It's Miracle on 34th Street, the original, not that remake nonsense. Mm-hmm, and it is the perfect movie. I grew up outside of New York City. It starts with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and it ends on Christmas morning. It is the perfect transition movie. It takes you all the way through the season. I love it so much. If Sean, if you guys ever want to talk about it at length, leading up to a holiday, you just let me know. (laughs) Okay. All right. It's a classic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it on the list. We've got, um, you know, we'll, we 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 plan to continue doing these holiday movies for holidays to come. So, we certainly need. You get to talk about a drunk Santa. Yeah, <laughs> but scene that is playing in this. Yeah, and this, and then even um, g- getting back to the, Kevin in the kitchen, even the rolling pin on the counter is green. I don't know if it's green marble or some kind of green stone, but like just everything is. If emeralds. Yeah, everything is on point. And like I said, the director said everything was made up to to just give you that feeling of Christmas. Okay, because so some of some of the scenes are in like when we see the house from the outside, there are a couple of the scenes that are done in that actual house. Is that right? Yes, they, they talk about I, that. Very in the- few, but I, but I believe uh, several were done, and then I think the others were shot in the high school nearby. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard that. Yeah, I read the um, like the plane scenes they had like set up in the high school gym, like the interior mm-hmm. plane stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, that was not done in the house. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So what we get here is a little back and forth. We get Kevin waking up and wandering down to the kitchen, turning on the TV, interspersed with the plane well, taking Frank off. being the best, worst person <sighs> the ever. Worst. Frank is is the best worst person. <laughs> this is this is the only thing I remembered about his character. I did. I mean, I knew he was mean to Kevin in the first part, but I couldn't have told you what he said. But believe me, I remember the put this in your purse. <laughs> put this in your purse. <laughs> That's something I would do, though. I mean, if it's if they're nice, you steal know. from first class. Is it really I stealing though, or it's it's? <laughs> I don't know if that really counts as stealing though. <laughs> Champagne flutes are not souvenirs. <laughs> well, he's not taking the silverware and stuff, is he? He's taking like the salt and pepper shaker. It looks uh, like. Just remind Sean not to stop by your house. Uh, I don't know if it would go too well. Yeah. I yeah. Obviously, Frank is not used to flying first class. This is a special treat for everyone. But. And I have to say, I noticed it later in the minute, but I love his, his wife's face is perfect in like every scene. Mm-hmm. I was trying to look up. Is that Aunt Leslie? Yes. Yeah. In which act is Terry Snell. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to give it a shout out because I feel like Terry Snell is not a name that comes up very often. And she's in this iconic mm-hmm. movie. And just throughout this part that I was rewatching today, her facial reactions to things. And her reaction to Frank being Frank, it's just, it's real good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny because I was I was actually thinking about that today. Like what, like what makes a good movie or a bad movie? And like, where's that line? Specifically this kind of thing where we're, you know, 
talking about a movie and things that we were watching over and over again. And I think one of the defining things for me, at least, is when you've seen it so many times that you can, you know, the action, you can kind of avoid the action and start looking at the background and, and what else is going on and do those little things. Do they, do they make the movie better or do they make the movie worse? And like bad movies get worse and good movies get better. And yeah, when, whenever Frank's talking, cause he's such a jerk, he kind of demands attention, but if you can get past Frank and take a, and, and watch Leslie's what what Leslie is doing, and yeah, she's obviously very realistic in terms of the the, the poor woman stuck with this jerk, <laughs> stuck sitting does, next to him on the plane. Yeah, it's not just her bouncing off him though. In the airport, when like Kate sends her to call everyone on the street, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Sorry, Kate." Like everything she's doing is just on mm-hmm. point, and so I. I'd never noticed it before. And I was like, that's really good. Like I, I'm going to look up who played her. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's again, the most nineties movie that ever nineties. <laughs> oh my goodness. These outfits and like Kevin's dad's sweater. Like, wow. The, the sweater. And then Kate's uh, like her shoulders on everything, the silhouette on um, all her outfits. It's. And again, I think that. <laughs> The way it's shot, even with this plane, I love how there's no cut. It just it's in front of them, and then it just kind of pushes back uh, to Kate, and it's it's. I I think it's it's shot great. It's it's really good. Although, oh, is it this? I think it's a little later, but it's still within this part. I never thought this through before. Can can I get out my soapbox to say <laughs> what a boomer Kevin's dad is? I never thought about this before, but I would have to do the math. This is mm-hmm. a man who says, don't worry about my kids thrown back in coach because I never got to fly first class. I never got <laughs> to fly at all. I took vacations in my family station wagon and had to go to my grandparents. So my kids should be grateful that they're going to Paris, even though this is a weird setup. <laughs> all the parents are in first class. And the teenagers are in charge of the younger kids back in coach. This is a nightmare. These stewardesses are going to murder these parents. Yeah, this is so this is really not awful. fair to the the staff that is working this flight cuz and we've you know, well, we don't know this family too well, but we saw the craziness of them running around last night and um you know, we we see the adults that they they've learned their hab- their their manners from. Like just uh-huh. And it just buzz. I can't see having to put up with buzz unattended for what is it? Probably a six or seven hour flight Chicago to Paris. It's actually Mm -hmm. probably more. I think it's, um, I think Boston or New York to London is five. Okay. If I'm remembering right. I, uh, New York to Rome is eight. I should have, should have looked this up. I think the kids well, might be a little bit better behaved. I don't think they're that crazy. I mean, they with each other they are, but on a, on a plane in public, you think they're still going to go berserk? Oh yeah. Hmm. Buzz is in charge of this situation. Yeah. Do you really? Do you really think Buzz is the type that's going to recognize? You know that had, that he has situational behavior to realize. Okay, this is a time I shouldn't be messing around. Okay. Um, if their parents were sitting three rows away, they know right. how to be. They know how to behave. Yeah, he just chooses not to. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah the parents yeah. are in a completely different they are section. Completely so unsupervised. 
so it's it's um and I'm assuming this is a nonstop. It's a little over eight hours. I'm seeing like okay. eight ten, eight twenty five from from Chicago to um, Paris, France. So yeah, and and just I don't know. Do they have? Now we saw the when the neighbor kid, when the Murphy kid started going through the luggage, there was one bag that had a yo yo and other stuff. But like they don't have Game Boys, they don't have smartphones. If they have a handheld electronic game, it's oh, like the old timey ColecoVision where there's only, you know, the Coleco ball where you get a touchdown every time. Like there's <laughs> there's there's no challenging electronics that are going to keep them occupied. No. The seatbacks, this is not JetBlue where every seat has a screen in the back. Um, you know, Buzz doesn't strike me as a big reader. I don't <laughs> think he has a I don't think he has a book in his carry-on. So oh, but he's, he, got, he's got a subscription to Playboy. I picture the older girls yeah. are behaving themselves, but they have put on the headphones of their Walkmans and their noses are buried in the books that they brought with them. And they are pretending they do not know any of these other kids. Right. Right. So this That's is how I imagine it. Um, so Kevin's the, dad is just like, they should be grateful to me. So kind of continuing, we, we talked about a little bit uh, in part one is just it's, it's the parents. Bad, you know, bad kids, bad parents. You know, they, right. they they learn it from somewhere, and it's it's clear where it's coming from. And so, Never just to, hate who can do no wrong in my eyes in this in this session. I don't, you know, I I love Catherine O'Hara. I will watch. She's one of those. She, there's that short list where, like, you just tell me, oh, she's in it. Okay, I, that's all I need to know. I'm going to watch it. Uh, so, Catherine O'Hara can do no wrong in my book, but Kate. Though and everyone else, because so after she realized, and I know we're we're jumping around in terms of the the narrative, but eh, suck it up if you don't like it, have your own podcast. But uh, (laughs) so when when she does realize, when she remembers what they forgot, she realizes it's Kevin, and she's obviously distraught. She's like, "Oh my god, I'm a horrible mother. How could I forget one of my children?" And like Peter never goes, I'm a bad father. Like you, he forgot one of his children as well. Right. And, you know, she never turns around and says, you're a bad father. You know, she doesn't deflect, <laughs> but he never says, I'm just as bad as you. Well, yeah. I mean, the best they could come up with is Frank is I forgot my reading glasses. Like no one says like, it's not all Kate's job to take care of everyone. But the, but the emotional carrying the emotional load and the yeah. mental work yeah. and <laughs> the, the emotional uh, spine of this movie is mm-hmm. between Kevin and his mom. So I, I can right. understand doing it. Right. Well, and, and it the just best trivia I learned getting ready to be on this podcast. What was that? I tell you the best yeah. trivia I learned getting oh, ready yeah, to be on this please. podcast. It's about Catherine O'Hara and Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Apparently. He's... Oh, don't tell me they had an affair. No. 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 I mean, when, years later, when he grew up, obviously, I'm not saying during film. Go ahead. Lay it on, lay on the trivia. Let's see if we know it. Give he us the question. Oh, man. Cully Culkin still calls Catherine O'Hara mom from doing this movie. Oh, okay. uh, that's sweet. And my heart yeah. is yeah. <laughs> I think if I ever did a movie with Catherine O'Hara, I would call her mom. That's what I, <laughs> even though we're not that far apart in age. But. <laughs> Um, but I did want to, so, so not, so not talking about Catherine O'Hara, but, but speaking of Kate and, and at the end of that scene, end of that, the camera move that you were talking about, Brian, as we, yes. the camera slowly moves through the section past Frank and Leslie onto, to Kate and Pete. 
Mm-hmm. Kate is she's working on her makeup. She's she's got her compact out. She's touching up her lipstick. She's not she's like on a plane. Like this isn't like the 30s when people were like dressing up and and you know wearing suits and dresses to go, you know, to fly. And I know they're in first class, but still like you were still expected to look nice and she had to run out of the house. This is the first time she's had to do her makeup. And she's the type Okay. Of All right. Yeah. Every single day. This is probably the first time she's like been out in public not wearing makeup in right. years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that makes sense because they had to rush out and she hadn't yeah. been able to do anything to her face. And this is the first chance she's getting to kind of do a touch up. Right. They're sit back, they're relaxing. They think it's all smooth sailing. And so she's right. getting everything together. She acts that so well where she's like, no, that's not it. Like when she's going through what she could have forgotten. Yeah. It's really like, and I know that feeling. Gets, I, yeah. But I, as, as now this might be bad, but as, <laughs> As a guy, which she's, she's naming everything, and he's just like, that's it. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, that's the thing. It's like she could have named anything, and he'd be like, yep. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. The chimney didn't close. That's it. That's the thing. <laughs> he's just agreeing with her. He, is he just trying to quiet her up? <laughs> yeah. Although, no, he does. Like, the first few things, he's like, I took care of it. Like, when she's like, oh, I left the coffee on. Like, oh, I, I did it. Oh, I. Away. No, you didn't. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um me and <laughs> me me and my wife Catherine will do this because we know we know we forgot something. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of what did we forget? Now we don't have any children, so it's not <laughs> so we've <laughs> never we've never forgotten Kevin, but it's always like and it's usually something small. You know, it's like, oh, did I you know, it's like a did I, if we're going someplace like there were, there, there's a pool, like, oh, did I remember a bathing suit or something like that? Or did you remember extra Advil in case I get a headache? Like, it's, it's usually something small, but we know, like, okay, we forgot something. It's just a question of figuring out what it mm-hmm. is. And, and this, this when we go on a t- uh, trip before we, right before we leave, like packed up in the doorway, Chris will take a picture of the stove that all the knobs are turned off. So that <laughs> like five hours when it's bothering him, he can look and see, no, it's definitely off. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that bad. Although I will, <laughs> I'll, I'll turn off the water to the washing machine. So in case the, uh, in case the hose is burst, it won't flood the house. I'm usually not worried. Although also we're we're not big breakfast people in my household. So if we have an early flight, like the oven won't be on or the stove won't be on to to need to be turned off. No one's mm-hmm. no one's cooking in the morning. At most they're maybe toasting a bagel. So we're not really worried about that. But yeah. That's good though. That's good that he recognizes like this is his area of concern and then he addresses it with taking a picture of the knobs in the He's office. Not- proactive about it no this Uh, brings me back to one of the things i really liked about kevin of he checks like he goes through and he's like their cars are still here (laughs) he's trying to apply logic and then i also have the note he's trying because later when we see him eating the sunday he has tucked a napkin on him like he's not (laughs) he's learned something he's eating popcorn while jumping on the bed and he's you know gone crazy but he also Hasn't like there is a very practical vein to this kid from the get go Mm -hmm. that I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and he does go through very 
methodically, he works his way through the yeah. house from top to bottom because he so he slept in the attic. So that's clear. He goes through the second floor. And can I just say again, again, brilliant going through the house. I mean, it's so important for later where everything is. And it's just like every scene, you you just get more familiar with the layout. So you know, come the end, where everybody is, what's going on. Right, right. right. You're talking about what makes a great movie right there. Those little details. It's not forced. This is just him checking. Yeah, I mean, I'm not right. I'm not as familiar with with Christopher Columbus, um, but I know that Eric Sean. Yeah, well, <laughs> Eric Leifson, man, um, or Leif Erikson. <laughs> <laughs> there probably was one of those two. Yeah, but uh, you know, as as a director, but that's certainly a, a John Hughes cue. And we, you know, we talked about it last time. So much of the setup, and we're going to talk about it as those things pay off. But yeah, so little Kevin, he. You know, he just needed the opportunity. He was, you know, his family was kind of keeping down. And it's not just his family, <laughs> like, oh, he's a mama's boy. And, you know, they always take care of him or whatever. There were so many people in the house. It's really hard. You know, it, it's hard for him being the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the youngest in, of, of his children. And then I think the second youngest of the cousins. I think um, yeah, I think Fuller, is, the, the bedwetter is younger than and Kevin, it, but everyone right? else is older. and. Yeah. yeah. Is Mike Marona a sibling or one of the cousins? Now, I've never had a good sense of like how many siblings Kevin actually has since we're dropped into the family already all together. Yeah. So, yeah, Mike. Um, I'm to bring him up because I had a massive crush on him as a kid. <laughs> no, yeah. Mike is, is his oldest brother. So Mike is the fourth of five, Kevin being the youngest of pete and kate's kids but yeah i had trouble keeping count of who's who so there's five that are pete and kate's then frank and leslie have five of their own and there's one heather who i think is the oldest of all the kids is the cousin who's the the child of the the two that are in paris who stayed behind in chicago because she's going to western but yeah so I yeah. love that I never knew any of that. I've seen this movie God only knows how many times. Why were they going to Paris? Because Paris is a nice place to go. No clue. Never made any impression on me as a child. Yeah. They mentioned a couple times, but I don't know if it's super relevant. All you need to know is they're leaving and they leave someone behind. But it's yeah. um, Rob it's and like- Georgette have, have moved to Paris uh-huh. And so everyone's and they left one kid behind. Ooh, I don't know if that's does that count as like foreshadowing or anything. But so <laughs> so every all the cousins and aunts and uncles and the one kid are flying over to Paris to uh, to reunite with Bob and Georgette. And I guess, you know, just and it gives them an excuse to go to Paris for Christmas. Well, and it's it's like how as a kid, I never questioned the McAllister's house. <laughs> this incredibly expensive, crazy house. Have you seen the like conspiracy theories now that we're adults where they're like, is Kevin's dad in the mob? Like what yeah, could he yeah, possibly I mean, do for a job to have this house? And I love, love that I never picked up on that as a kid. I'm just like, yeah, he has a big house, whatever. That's nice. And Joe Pesci is like practically drooling talking about it in the van tomorrow. He's like, right. Does he call, well, and they hit it. The golden tuna. I mean, it's, 
It's now crazy. let's 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 talk about that. Have you heard that phrase before? He calls it yeah, the silver tuna. The silver tuna. I've never the heard silver, it. No. Which I looked up and I mean the problem is that this movie is 30 years old at this point. I mean looking it up now on the internet, it made it sound like this was an existing slang, but um at this point, yeah, the you know, the movie's almost 30 years old, so yeah. it could have originated. Yeah, are you have either of you heard that phrase outside of this movie, Silver Tuna? No, never. I mean, tuna can get real big. There's silver, I guess. That's all I got. I mean, like, it, it's supposed to be, yeah, I don't, actually, I don't know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, what, no Just idea. Just know by the way he says it. But, like, as a kid, I watch this and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to steal from all the houses. And now as an adult, you know. Sitting in my two-bedroom apartment that is like, whoa, you've got two bedrooms. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Looking at this house, I'm just like, yeah. Oh but it is, it there is, is going to be a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> I, I picked up the novelization of the film Home Alone. Which is sitting and, somewhere in my parents' attic, yeah. by the way. <laughs> oh, an original. I nice. totally had that Ooh. as a kid. When you posted the photo, I'm like, <laughs> yep. It rings a bell. Um, so that the, and I don't, I don't know if this is in the film and I, and I missed it, but so that the novelization specifically calls out that Kevin's mom, Kate is a designer. So that explains the mannequins that, that they have around the house, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it ever says anything about what Pete does, you know, going back to the conspiracy theory that he must be a mobster to have this, this huge house where they have Every light on all the time, every nighttime scene where you see the house from the outside, except for mm-hmm. the one scene where Harry is showing off that he knows the times for all the timers. And then they show the lights go on, you know, for the timer. Every other outdoor scene, when they show the house, every single room in the house is lit up. I can just imagine this, you know, the 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 um, the meter on this house must be spinning like the Griswolds with all the <laughs> lights that are on. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's gorgeous. It just, oh, yeah. this is, this is the Christmas house. <laughs> this mean, is good. It, oh. I, had, I, no, I was going to say, I mean, she's a designer making some good money. He's in, he's working in downtown Chicago. Listen, it's doable. They pull it off. That's all I know. <laughs> right. I, um, <laughs> I mean, do you want me to make it? We said the house is a million dollars today, right? Is what we found, Sean? Or yeah, so, so, 1. so something along those lines. Yeah, it sold in like the early 2010s for I think what was it like yeah 1.3, and then the current Zillow estimate was like 1.6. Okay, which is expensive. Really, I would have thought it'd be a lot higher. You know, yeah, it, yeah I, I haven't looked at where it is, like how far out of Chicago it is. I think it's pr- I think it's like an hour outside. Okay, yeah. so that'll affect oh, it. Like, that's if true. you know, so is if it- it's an hour drive without traffic, then you add in rush hour. So it's you know, if it was yeah. a little closer to Chicago, it might be more. But that's still that's a lot of money. Oh that's- yes, it's a lot of money. But I'm just saying, it's possible that they have two pretty it- high powered jobs and right. It's not tens of millions. Right, it's right, just exactly. Yeah, single million. That's yeah, exactly single million. Low the low. What is it? Low seven figures. Yes. That's, oh, can I just like take a minute to complain? My dad is one of nine kids. 
and he lived all over the country. He was actually Mm -hmm. born right outside Chicago, Mm -hmm. Southern California, Maryland, Connecticut, all the things. The house in Connecticut is the one I knew because it's in the town I grew up next to. And all the houses he lived in growing up were like mansions, essentially. But Mm -hmm. because he was one of nine kids, like even Mm -hmm. in a mansion, he shared a room with his brother. (laughs) Yeah, it's still a five bedroom house, even if he's Uh, sharing rooms. You're still yeah, still doubling up in yeah. Connecticut and New Canaan sold when I was in middle or high school. And he was just curious. He's like talking to the guy because he knows them. The family that bought it had one child they put on an addition because people are insane. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just like it was already a big house. And that's when it became truly a mansion when they put on the addition. Right. And then he's like, or, or maybe they had two, but it was one of those where it's like, you didn't, you didn't need more bedrooms. You were fine. <laughs> yeah, this- I, yeah. I, I, I cannot, com- <laughs> no comment. I, yeah, well, I can't not, I can't say no comment and then not comment. Brian knows what I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Big metal can and those old metal shovels and the salt, and then you can go around the neighborhood. I can go around the neighborhood shoveling and salting as I go. But uh, okay, so I know the whole joke is like, oh, how scared he is of Marley. Mm-hmm. Um, but the noise of that, like, I know it's supposed to invoke fear, but the noise of like, the metal scraping on the concrete sidewalk. That was another, like transported me instantly back into my childhood <laughs> moment. Like that noise of like grown up shoveling with metal shovels in the morning while like you're lying warm and snugly in your bed. Cause you're a child. Right. <laughs> <was the> best. <laughs> I, I mean, basements, how, who, who here was afraid of basements? I know I was. Now, see, that's the weird thing. I had a question about this because I never, I was just like, that's not what furnaces look like. But maybe I was not rich enough to have this sort of furnace. Yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar so much with that, though. It does look horrifying. Um, but just basements in general, it's it's creepy. Uh, see, I I grew up with a dad who tinkered and built things in the house and everything and so our basement was a wonderland of who knows what you're gonna find down there <laughs> okay 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 all right and uh yeah, for yeah. me it was for me it was attics oh. that i'm always kind of wary mm. of because things could either you're more likely to run into something mm. like something that bites physically. although basements <laughs> have more yeah physically basements well because I'm trying to think of when, like growing up, we lived in a lot of, it was like split level arrangements where like the garage came into the lower level and it's like, ah. it's partially submerged, you know, it's partially below grade, but it's not really a basement. Carpeted and it's a room. Yeah. So oh growing God, up. The garage and then right off the garage was the laundry room and then the basement and then the stairs up. Yeah. Oh, I think it'd be like the, the kids' playroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the the creepiest for me was the was more the attic than the basement. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't like it, attics where you pull down a ladder to get up into them. Oh, that's yeah. like that's like mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mine is like that. Yeah, the whole thing of being afraid of this furnace. It oh, even as a kid, I remember thinking like, well, that's not sca- like. 
that's that's something in a movie. They're making the thing go up and down so it looks scarier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if it happened in real life, I'd be scared of it. But it yeah. never like well, yeah, it's like his imagination, I guess, slash you know, trying to. It just looks like a monster. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So I want no. to talk about one one of the things I noticed, and I, uh, you know, Macaulay is just so so great for this part, and such a cute kid. The camera loves him. But particularly, so he's down in the basement. The the he imagines the furnace opening up like a great mouth, and he runs away. He runs up the stairs and like runs right out the front door. And and he he does this a bunch of other times. A really good runner. And I don't know. Did, did does he ever say anything about this in the commentary, Brian? Was this a specific direction? There's a lot of movement, like his arms flail, and uh, later. I think it's I think it's the first time Harry and Marv like sneak around the house and he's inside alone and he runs up the stairs and like his little legs are moving because they're short <laughs> so they have to move a lot but then his arms are 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 moving there's a lot of arm movement as well so it it balances the bottom moves the top moves it's just it's very busy without being how little not, kids run <laughs> Yeah it's not slapsticky it's just like yeah it's how it's it's a little kid running Yeah I but don't call anything from the commentary yeah. specifically about it I, I mean not that i remember yeah but he it is great he you're right he he is but you know what that's maybe being a kid they just he doesn't just, know any better yeah it's maybe not that, like he's yeah. not performing he's just running now that may be macaulay's natural run or his you know at, at that time like there's, there's so much running in this section that yeah. i'm sure you know, he had time to perfect his technique. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, yeah. So he runs out of the basement and that's when he runs out the front door, the garage and he sees the cars and then he runs back in. And that's when he like, he starts remembering all the mean things his family had said to him the right. night oh. before where he's like, I wished my family away. And again, the it's, floating it's, heads, it's great. Yes. It really made it feel like a Christmas movie. Some like there's just something about that production quality and like the v- distant voice, but it, it just all of a sudden struck me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is really making it feel like we're gonna get into the holidays. And then he goes crazy, and it's really cute. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is very Christmassy, and it's almost like the the ghosts of family past. Yes, um, maybe that's it. Yeah. Well, I just I just noticed this. I got the video kind of up and I'm rewatching that little bit. I just noticed it's only his family. It's not the cousins. Well, I think Frank pops up at one point like you little jerk. But -hmm. for the kids that show up, it's only his sisters and his brothers, Jeff and and Buzz and what, Lenny? All time great insults. Yeah. Our generation. Yeah. You're what the French call l'incompetent. Which isn't even in, in we didn't we I don't think we addressed it in part one when she actually says that. But that's isn't that that's plural, right? And I'm I'm just going on Google Translate. I don't actually speak French, but Google Translate said that translated to the incompetence, like as in plural. So she's not she's not even right. That's not, you know. I mean it sounds good, but it's like you can insult someone, you kinda gotta be right. Or you you risk them coming back at you with a insult like yeah you can't even insult me right yeah but it's her little brother yeah but he he she knows he doesn't know French he's not gonna correct him yeah. but yeah I but I I just like that other than Uncle Frank it's all it's his family that he's remembering like his immediate family and what really would be terrifying it's like they give you that little scene there of like he oh wait a second this family has been bashing on me yeah. 
and it's like and you know so you see him more uh happy at least for now mm-hmm. <laughs> well and i would like to thank you guys for having me on in this section not only do i get the lay incompetent line i get the other great insult of our generation buzz your girlfriend I almost fell out of my chair when I realized I was going to get to go in this trunk with him. (laughs) Which is little, a little behind the scene note is that's actually a boy in that picture. Thank God. I was so glad to learn that because (laughs) there isn't some little girl uh, out there who, whose picture is featured with, you know, Kevin McAllister going woof. Exactly. Whoever's idea that was to have it actually be a boy in a wig, you are a genius. Mr. Ms. Whoever you are, thank you so much because that girl would like her. No, she just could not move through life anymore. But because it is a joke, we get to now have ugly sweaters with it on it. Is it weird that they're also like his junior mints are in the trunk? Maybe it's just me noticing product placement in a way I didn't as a kid. But I'm like, I don't know. This is a weird <laughs> that was, trunk. That Maybe I'm like, just not a boy. Like this is a weird collection of things. I could see. No, I could see it as like this is kind of his trunk. You know, you put all your junk in there: toys, candy, chips. Is that, is that chips there? Yeah, there's yeah. like 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 chips. I thought broadcasters. Yeah. Well, you know, TV, TV new ca- newscaster babes. Like I could wh- really why? Oh wait, you're asking why oh, about? Well, no. it just seemed like an odd <laughs> special feature. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be presumptuous uh, or inappropriate, but <laughs> you're married. You have a child. <laughs> Why does Buzz have... I know why nudie magazines exist. I was just confused about their choice of... (laughs) It was an editorial critique, not a subject matter critique. Well, I'm I'm assuming, like, in in universe, um, that Buzz didn't, doesn't, you know, Buzz doesn't have, like, a thing for Connie Chung. Like, he didn't seek out... No, the newscaster. His, his friend, he probably got the one Playboy he found with his friends somewhere. Right. You this know. is woods porn. They found this in the woods behind the school. <laughs> right. Ask Tom Taylor. Tom, he'll tell you all about woods porn. porn. This is the one thing. This is the one issue he could find because it's probably the worst issue. It's probably the <laughs> lamest issue that someone threw away, and that's how he found it. But I was wondering oh, about a baseball field dugout. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I was wondering about the chips just because wouldn't they get, they'd get crunched up. It would just be dust. It would be potato dust, but I could see how, cause having sex, like they probably well, one having so many people in the house, food goes quickly. Uh, you know, in, in this kind of situation, mm-hmm. if you have a particular treat that you like, you've got to keep it, you got to keep an eye on it. And well, we, we saw it with the plain pizza, the plain cheese pizza that disappeared. Mm-hmm. So if these are the particular sweets that Buzz likes, yeah, he's going to keep it in lockdown yeah. in his uh, in his trunk there. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Also has an iced tea poster, which just, I'm not getting over. I know when this movie was made. I was alive. And yet things just keep striking me like, wow, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's, going with that? I mean, that was then it was really well. I mean, if you were, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it, he was popular. It makes sense. It's it, not just on sense. SVU. It's just, yeah, it's just weird to see that poster, but you're right. In universe, it makes perfect sense. And I know I need to turn off my 2019 brain and just move on. <laughs> um, I can. I can move on to a shot that I loved. The, the plain one is good, but my favorite is the POV shot on the sled. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the sledding in the house. Wasn't this like every kid's dream? Yep. That was great. <laughs> oh, so did ever, good. Did you ever do this, Tierney? Did you ever s- take a sled down the stairs? No, I never had the opportunity my sister did launch herself off from some stairs outside on a, like a big wheels bike. Mm-hmm. And I, it was looked kind of like ET for the few seconds until she crashed horribly. But <laughs> yeah, there was no, and I, I love him when he gets out because I've been injured sledding so many times. <laughs> stairs were not involved, but there was a lot of like, ah, that fence came up quicker than I thought it would. Or, oh, look, there was a rock under that mound of snow. Who knew? Yeah, Brian, did you ever do anything like this? Not, no, I don't think, like, uh, there were no stairs, well, that really lined up to where you can go down. Like, you have to be a really particular house to have a sled to go down and then just keep going. And as soon as this movie came out, they stopped building them like that because they knew we'd try. (laughs) They knew we would try. Yeah, the the worst I did is one time I ran through a glass door. We had growing up, we had like the, you know, the wood door. And then there was like a, in the summer, we'd put a screen up. It was a screen door. But then in the winter, the glass. So it must have been, it was probably early spring because it was warm outside but the glass was still up and I ran down the stairs and ran through the door. And my intention was to hit the latch and open the door as I ran through and I missed the latch and I just ran right through the door and glass went everywhere. (laughs) I did get in trouble trying to do something from this movie, but it was when Buzz throws his duffel bag, when he yells, look out below and throws his duffel bag Mm -hmm. and it lands at the bottom of the stairs and I threw my duffel bag and it landed perfectly. And then my dad came around the corner. Oh, I was in so much trouble. That was a long drive to Maine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long drive. You just kind of slink down in the back seat. And maybe I, the, the special effects of this scene don't really stand up too well i mean they're not terrible but they're not great mm-hmm. but the pov right when it tips is just like well you the i mean if, i'm an I, inner they child did talk about what well, was a small man that rode down and, <laughs> and they got a, st- uh, a stunt guy yeah 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 it was a small man and i it wasn't lined up i mean he didn't go from the top right at the door i don't think they actually line up the way that it's put together here you have to kind of lean it looks like yeah i don't think it worked i'd so that was that's what I got from the commentary also. Yeah, and you can you can see like and they but they do show Kevin doesn't just plop the sled down and go. You're like right. he is kind of yeah. lining it up, but when you see yeah. it it's like, well, and the the bottom of that thing is flat. Like he's not going to be able to steer. Or it's going to have really rough steering, but uh, you know, movie magic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it does capture like what a kid. I mean, think about you're eight years old. I mean, this is stuff you would do. You'd go get junk food. You try to sled down your stairs. 
Yeah. There's and a little... Seaport just looking at his dinner. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. The ice cream. And then there's, like, a soda next to him on the table. Oh, ow. Yeah. Uh, and there, there is a little so deleted. <laughs> there's a deleted scene on the, on the Blu-ray of at the end of his sledding. So they have – it's the sledding scene. He goes flying out the door. And old man Marley is standing there on the sidewalk. And as soon as he comes to the stop, he looks up and and, uh, Marley shakes his head at Kevin, who grabs his sled and goes running into the house. And that's it. So just a little, little deleted there. (laughs) My grandmother hated this movie because she said after it, there always had to be a scene in every kid's movie, the kid looking into the camera and screaming. I miss her. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She'd have hated this section. (laughs) Yeah. I could see he does it like three times in 15 minutes. (laughs) You're not looking into the camera, but very, very close. (laughs) Yeah. He almost is. Hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily remember that being an issue, but I could see like if, if that did happen, because no one does it as well as, as Macaulay does it. So, right. Now. uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say if, well, they, they're all gathered on the plane, I guess, just kind of knowing, okay, we left Kevin. But I, I mean, unless you guys wanted to have anything to say with that, with the introduction to Harry and Marv. Oh, um, I don't, but I have, well, I have a note that is before that, that involves the plane. So maybe I'll say yes. it here so oh. that we can move on to our bad guys. Mm-hmm. They're watching Kevin watch a movie, eat his Sunday marshmallows, ice cream, the whole nine yards. He puts in the movie, oh, the noise of the VHS going in. Just oh, side yeah. note. Beautiful. Yes. The movie he watches it's is great. Angels with Dirty Faces, which I'm sure we all have committed to memory this scene. Oh, yeah. With all the cadences. It then cuts to when he yeah. covers his eyes and it goes to the mom being upset on the plane. The dad is reading the book nobody's angel ah, angels with dirty yeah. faces nobody's angel oh. uh, so you know, we always talk about the connection between kevin and his mom and i liked the idea mm-hmm. that kevin and his dad while they aren't as close as the mom they do have this shared kind of dna that like this is what they both want <laughs> okay yeah. So yeah, he's Pete's reading and yeah, nobody's angel. And actually, so it's it's the movie that Kevin watch is watching is well. Then this is the movie that Uncle Frank was watching the night before they left that they wouldn't let Kevin watch. And it's Angels with Filthy Souls. Oh, with Filthy Souls. I'm sorry. Yeah, Angels with Dirty Faces is, the is next one, right. Well, no, that's the real movie with James Cagney and Pat O'Brien that the title Angels with Filthy Souls is based on. Okay. In my defense, my point still yeah. stands. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, in your defense, I only know that because I actually took some notes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's Angels with Filthy Souls. But yeah, that connection with, with Pete reading Nobody's Angel on, yeah, on the play. It's interesting. Hmm? I like that. And again, <laughs> you're, you're eight years old. You're going to put in an R-rated movie, you know, some action, whatever. Mine was an action. It reminded when he like covers his eyes, but then looks through. <laughs> it reminded me <laughs> the first R-rated movie I remember. Actually, it has a Joe Pesci connection. Is my parents rented and were watching in the living room. My cousin Vinny, 
And I was sent to my room as too young to watch it, but I could hear it. Yes. So I got to hear but swearing because that's, that's well, not that's an the, action movie. Like, no, no. Actually, it's really not. It's just swearing. Here. Yeah. Well, you know what? I say you could watch it. Go ahead. Put it on. Time. I mean, it's now one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. Well, that, that completely depe- defeats the purpose if you could hear it from the other room because there's no nudity. There really isn't any. I'm trying to think if there's any no, violence, there's no but violence. no, there's no, no violence. It's no. it's completely R because of language. So if you could hear it from the other room, <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have you watch it and just cover your ears. Right. That's right. That's right. Little Tierney felt very, and I like I didn't even know what was happening, but I felt very bad doing it. Right. <laughs> Little naughty Tierney listening in. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, like ear pressed up against the door. Like, ha! I can hear it. I don't get it, but I can hear it. Yeah, I don't get it, but I can hear it. Yeah. A lot of that as a kid. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about, so we met Harry a little bit in part one dressed up as a cop. And now we see, Oh, he's not a cop, which we didn't think he was a cop, but now we get, we get the the Harry and Marv experience of those two uh, together. They're so good. They are great. And yeah. It, and look, it just, it's dark out. I mean, this. I mean, not that this is a kids' movie at all, but a holiday movie. It is where, a kids' movie, but yeah. well, well, yeah, okay, <laughs> fine. It's a kids' movie, but look how they are out there. It's dark. You, you know, they're in the van. I mean, it's scary. It's it's this is scary. I am really bothered by. I have a good thing and a bad thing for mm-hmm. this movie. The good thing is the Christmas lights reflected in the hood of their van is mm-hmm. so good like they, they come on and they they're then they're there in the van but the bad thing is and, and it, it's the same thing when they're calling and they're like oh i called everyone on your street and got nothing but answering machines everyone is gone i realized he said like oh five houses are empty and i heard it all from them they're in a van lurking like obviously lurking nobody no no nobody stayed home in their giant houses in this beautiful picturesque neighborhood for christmas yeah that's yeah i mean the only credulity right i mean as far as we know the only one home is old man marley and i guess he's home alone i mean we don't know about a miss marley but we know his kids aren't visiting or at least his son hasn't planned to visit I want to see Home Alone Marley edition. Does he yeah. also go sledding? That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. He needs a toothbrush. It's a whole thing. Now yeah, I, I can see, you know, nobody being there. Yeah, it's, you know, okay. That's true. But uh, you during know. the day, I guess some people would be at work. So you would still get their answering machine. They wouldn't be able to go check on Kevin. Okay. okay, 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 okay. But nobody yeah. is around to notice like that I, and you would see the van once and be like oh yeah whatever it's the plumbers but like it's it's lurking this scene yeah and well and um and there's there's a going back to another deleted scene where harry and marv are specifically talking about this they're talking about remember the good old days and harry said you know and whatever happened to sitting around the fireplace with your families and Harry says, that's why I hate Christmas. It's just another sign of the moral decay of society. <laughs> like, is this so, is, like, I, I wonder how common this is 
I know. So we, I spend Christmas with my in-laws with, uh, with Kat's family and most of the family is there. Like they, um, we go to her sister's house and her sister has got, she's got three kids and she's got a really big house. So she has room for people to come over, you know, for, for entertaining to have a big Christmas meal. There's, um, one set of, of cat's cousins. Um, she's got cousins like a husband and wife and their kids and they travel, they travel for Christmas. And what they say is everyone's traveling domestically. Like everyone is visiting family for Christmas that this is, it's the best time of year for international travel. So they actually kind of say the opposite. They say no one travels internationally at Christmas because they're all visiting family domestically. So they go to Africa, they go to Europe, they go all over the world. They say international travel, like that's that's the best time to do it. No, American Thanksgiving. My mom has been rocking that vacation time most of my life because it's not a holiday in those parts of the world, but she's got the days off of work already. Right, right. And it's the same thing. Everyone's, you know, getting in the car to drive to Maine with their stolen mm-hmm. daughter in the back. Um, <laughs> and she, that's when she went to, she would go to England and visit friends over there and it would be super cheap because it's November. But yeah, she always traveled around. Thanksgiving was a big one. Right. Well, that yeah, that would make sense because I'm trying to think if there's any place where, where is the, the high season or the busy season for most places particularly Northern hemisphere, that's going to be off season. And like you said, you got the time off and most people are traveling domestically. So, Hmm. yeah, but yeah, it is, it is strange that they can't get everything. And also there's, when you have school age children, you need to travel around Uh, the winter holidays if you don't want to take your kids out of school, but there's, there's summers for that. There's spring break. There's other times then. My mom only has one sister and she and her kids live. Well, I thought they lived like an hour away. Once I got my license, I realized it was more like 30 minutes. Um, But then again, I got in trouble for that. Our school always had different vacation weeks in the spring. Always, always a little bit off and like just off. (laughs) So we never got to take vacations together. But our house was the Christmas house. Like everyone came to us for Christmas and we didn't even have a freaking mansion decorated specifically to invoke the homey spirit. <laughs> of Christmas in your heart. <laughs> the point where one year my mom and her sister had gotten into a fight about something. I don't remember what, I mean, I was a kid, so I probably didn't know in the first place. And so they were like, my, my aunt was like, we're not going to Aunt Kathy's. And my cousin Mike was like, but but it's not Christmas if we don't go to Aunt Kathy's. And so they had already gotten into the pajamas, gotten him to bed. They got him in his winter coat and pajamas, drove down to our house, went onto our porch, rang the doorbell. He came out, said, Merry Christmas, Aunt Kathy. My mom said, Merry Christmas, Mike. And then they went, got back in the car and drove home. So he would go to bed. <laughs> That was the only year we didn't have a big family party and we still technically saw them. There you go. <laughs> Tradition. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a question. For if I don't eat baked ziti and have a roast beef sandwich on Christmas Eve, like hmm. I don't know what happens if I don't do that. It's never been a problem. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, here, here's a question I have for you two. Okay. Now I don't. Now, Sean, I know you've seen the Marvel movies. Yes. Can you even name two villains from any of those movies? Yes. Okay. Well, the <laughs> point I'm trying to say is, look how memorable these guys are. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they I, certainly are. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, this is you just you know. I mean, I think it's great. Like I said, I mean, I use the Marvel movies because I mean, I guess if pushed, I could think about it, but they're not memorable, not like this. Well, I know. Well, I got the one first and a guy who was the bad guy, but then was the good guy, but was still kind of a bad guy, and then it's not really the same thing. Yeah, right. well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the 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 two that came to mind are Ultron because he's the name of one. His name is the title of one of the Avengers movies, and Thanos, and because okay. he's the big bad guy overall. But like, but, but you like, get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, yes. generally, like the, I think generally considered, like Iron Man is like the star of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and those are like the best movies. I couldn't name a single of the villains in any right. of the. Right, so Man that's movies. what I'm saying. Who so, was the yeah. villain in Iron Man three? I mean, but but if you name uh, Home Alone, you know, it's mm-hmm. Harry and Marv. That's right. Yeah. I have yeah. to admit, I have to always remind myself that the other one is hit. like I remember Marv, no problem. And then I'm like, and the other one. Right. But then the minute you say Harry, and Mar- like I know who yeah. you're talking about. But if you <laughs> saw pictures, I mean, there you would instantly know. I mean, yeah. if it, you know, you would know. Oh, okay, Home Alone. Yeah. There well, honestly, go. like, yeah. Be, be, well, be, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, before studying up for the podcast, I would have said Marv and Joe Pesci. Yes, okay, that's that's, that's where I was. Remembered his name, but still acceptable. Still acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, and he's basically speaking of my cousin Vinny. That's funny you mentioned that, Tierney, because I was thinking like this is a very, it's not very dissimilar from <laughs> Vinny. I mean, obviously it's it's a different path to go, you know, it's a different side of the law, but this is like a, a mirror image. Like this could have been cousin Vinny if he just, ah. you know, if that one judge hadn't interceded and kind of convinced him to go to law school. This is where Vinny could have ended I up. I love that. It's been his yeah. path. Yep. This the could whole be time. It. There you go. Oh, Alternate wow. universe cousin Vin. Because <laughs> Harry really is like the brains of this operation. He's planned it all out. He knows, like, it, he's the one who figured out we find neighborhoods. We find you find rich neighborhoods where people travel for Christmas. The place is empty, so no one even knows for a week or, you know, till they get back, they don't even know anything's gone. And by that, by that time they've made their getaway. He times it out. He knows the timers on the lights and everything. And then Marv's the idiot leaving the water running. Marv is looking for toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marv is talking about toys. Harry, Harry's talking about stereos and stuff, which nowadays it's, I don't know. Electronics, like everything's kind of disposable and, yeah. Yeah. You like stereo equipment. Like no one has like a big hi-fi system. Like those aren't really worth that much money. Right. I right. Think. But well, then he's talking about, I could see like, like jewelry and maybe some cash. Then he's like negotiable Short. securities. Uh, that and was big back then. What's it's like, like a code. I'm telling you, he's onto Kevin's dad. Code. Like bonds <laughs> and whatnot. Well, cause I, I mean, I understand like at this point, like, like these days, 21st century companies don't even issue stock certificates. Like it's all yeah. electronic, but even in these days, like, did you know 
know you can't get um, savings bonds in paper anymore? No. Really? Yeah. The like EE series, whatever they are yeah. that you give when your coworker is pregnant and everyone chips in and buys the kid a savings bond. Yeah. So you what can do you only get them electronic. It's like, here's the link to your savings bond. <laughs> here's the bond. link. You print out an email. Here's yeah. your savings bond. That's essentially it. They do not issue pa- new paper savings bonds anymore. That's disappointing. It's all electronic. Yeah, really? This is taking a depressing turn. <laughs> I don't like this podcast. Merry Christmas. Yeah. But anyway, but so, but even way back when, well, I guess so, like, would he have yeah, bonds? They would, they did, you could have bonds lying. He around. might have saved like the kids' savings bonds. Yeah, I remember having those around the house when I was younger. Yeah. Although they probably should have been in a safe deposit box or something, but we had them in the house. And now, when uh, just moving through this scene here, they go up to the house. Uh, I guess they go to the back door. They go down mm-hmm. the steps. Before we saw Kevin couldn't even pack his own suitcase. I mean, he's kind of. He's being pretty smart. You know, he flips the light on. He is scared, but he has enough sense that he's trying to get rid of them. uh, mm, Does Mm. he just instinctively want the light on? Is that like reptile brain taking over? Well, he flips the outside light on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll give you that. So I I don't think he's running through the house, turning on every light on his way up to hide. Yeah, he does go to hide. I mean, he's not fully like how he's going to start oh. to become. But yeah, you see, you see, he's starting to learn a little bit. Blame might be hiding under the blanket too. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in the middle. Like my first thought is is with tyranny that yeah, he's just scared turning on all the lights. But then, like he's turning on all the lights in the rooms where he is. But then he also turns on the basement light, even though yeah. he's not going down there, You're and right. that scares that him smart. off from the basement door. Yeah. So that's it, it, it is. It is smart. Um, and so yeah, he turns on all the lights, which is the right move. And then he runs up and he hides under the bed in his parents' room, and you can see the popcorn from when he was jumping around. Before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. This is the under the bed one. <laughs> yeah. And then some time passes. We'll, we'll jump ahead. We'll just stick with Kevin yeah. mm-hmm. when he's convinced that the shadowy figures outside have gone away. He runs outside. He proclaim, pro, pro, proclaims his bravery to the night, says, I'm not afraid anymore. And now we get the old man Marley, <laughs> which is even more powerful because the scene at the sledding, because that was cut. Yeah, so you this haven't is, seen, like, this is the first time he's been close. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he, you know, the first time he's, yeah, that he's seen him face to face and he's alone. He's outside. And then we get another McAllister scream and a Mm -hmm. run. And the music there is great, by the way, when he runs out and says, I'm not afraid anymore. That's just great music. I know we're running long, but we have to give a shout out to the soundtrack score for this movie. Yeah. It is magical. And Candles in the Window or whatever it's actually called. I always thought it was called Candles in the Window, but apparently it's not. The song from this is like one of the Christmas mm-hmm. classics. And there are so few new Christmas songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so more great, uh, great score from John Williams. Yeah. The guy really knows what he's doing. I see uh, I, I see a lot of good <laughs> in the future for this this young Aww. Mr. Williams. He's got a sweet young Johnny. He's got a career for yeah. himself. And, and, that, here, and that run, this is this is maybe my favorite run of the whole movie. Yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> the run. that the, there's the run back into the house 
where he's kind of doing a mini Tom Cruise run. Ooh. He's got the hands are flat. He's karate chopping as he as Kevin runs back into the house. He's doing a little bit of a Tom Cruise run. Mm-hmm. But then when he runs up the stairs, it's all action. It's the arms flailing, going in all directions. Oh, mm, do we think that's from because he's wearing the same outfit? He's done this run before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it might just yeah. be a different take. <laughs> it may just be a different take, yeah. And then this, and then this is the jump into bed, pull the covers over your head. Yeah. Now there, there's there's something I wanted to to ask you guys about and, and get your take, particularly Tierney, is the interactions, and it, it's really this may be the best section of the movie. Um, and for for the listener, we're going from 1726 to 3402 of home alone the objects that kevin is interacting with they're not his own we don't like he doesn't say oh i'm home alone like he doesn't play with his own toys we never see him i think until the very end when he's escaping out the window like he doesn't go back to the attic we don't i don't know if we ever see his because um, like the attic is not his permanent room he's playing with buzz's toys you know he's I in buzz's room no- I had earlier of, do we know oh. which sports figures are sacrificed to the laundry chute? I think it's Larry Bird is the basketball player, yeah, but I, I didn't know Paul if Jackson they were. Was one of them. Larry Bird was one of them. Because there's a basketball player, a football player, a baseball player. What's the fourth? Um, but he shoots I them with a BB have, gun. Oh, and, and now it's. Yeah. Those were cool. I, I had a few of those actually. Yeah. Oh, it's my, such a I'm cool a... scene. Like. He shoots through the laundry and he hits them all and it, the music and the yes, falling. The music. It's yeah. perfect. I, I, think, I think the football player is Walter Payton. Oh, Walter Payton? Which would make sense, the, the Chicago connection. Oh, I thought it was Bo Jackson. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a little it's... early for Bo Jackson. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm I'm confused on that. I, I think it's I think it's Walter Payton, yeah, and Larry Bird. Oh, and there's a there's a nice little um Going back to the deleted scenes, and this is something that makes it into um, – it's in the novelization, so I assume it's in the script, um, but it's a deleted scene on the disc. Kevin has a little speech where he proclaims the sentence that that these figures, um, they're not innocent. You know, he's not just – he's not capricious in his just justice. Like, there's a reason <laughs> that these figures um, – and this is his little speech. He says – for the crime of belonging to my rashy brother and allowing yourselves to be displayed in the pigsty he calls his room, I sentence you to death by BB wounds, falling all the way down the laundry chute to the basement, where you'll get massive head injuries and die instantly or on arrival. <laughs> I thought that was a cute little thing uh, that got cut out. But so it's, you know, this is like he's playing with Buzz's toy. We see him parents room in his parents bed and even when he's like later on after he showered he's you know i i assume you know i don't think you need deodorant i don't know if you sweat the same way at this age i don't remember what point you know this is pre-deodorant i think deodorant comes with puberty i'm trying to remember way back when for myself so so it's like he's you know his his father's toiletries his brother's toys and everything else like it's, he sleeps in the living room. I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of that, but I thought it was symbolic. Like that, the way he's, you know, we don't see him interact with his own things. He's almost like a spirit. Like it's almost like this isn't his house. 
Like he doesn't live here full time. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, just just something. There's to think about. theory before this movie is over that Kevin has been dead this whole time. I'm going to be really upset <laughs> with you. Just FYI. <laughs> well, no, because they 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 realize that they forgot him. So this is not a this is not a, a sixth sense situation. They have forgotten yeah. him emotionally, They've and it's finally hitting her. <laughs> right. Oh, I hadn't uh, thought about it like that. We'll have to we'll have to she keep like, that in mind as she we. She had had the grief all these years, and she had finally relaxed on her way to Paris, and she had forgotten about Kevin and the guilt of having moved on in her life. I hate that I'm helping you with this. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yes, not, he's she- a wonderful little boy who shoots action figures and watches how the Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> So he's actually this is like Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's yeah. he's the dead kid. Oh. He's a... <laughs> no, that doesn't it it doesn't work because other people it cannot end on that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, he's just he's you know, he's exploring. He's exploring. Which I guess it makes sense. So if it, uh, we were I assume he would have his own toys. You say, well, he can play with his own toys. Time so being left alone naturally he would play right with right he's looking to do all the stuff he was never able to do. Okay. Also, he's the youngest of five kids. How many of his toys are broken hand me downs? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them except for whatever he was supposed to get for Christmas, but they were planning to spend Christmas in Paris. So wouldn't all his presents be? Or at least a good number of his presents would be packed in luggage and would be mm-hmm. in Paris. I mean, there may be some larger things that they left to open up, you know, when either early before they left or open up later after they came back. But no kid wants to be told you don't get any presents on Christmas. You have to wait till we get home. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 So going <laughs> back through it. Oh, this is where they call the next they, they, she calls the police. Yeah, so they have landed in Paris. So in addition to eight hours flying time, Paris is six hours ahead. So it is 14 hours ahead of whatever time. So they left, what they say, the, the plane was at nine or 10? Yeah. Well, they were supposed to leave the airport, they were supposed to leave the house at eight. So let's say, and obviously... In Chicago in 1990, there's no airport security. <laughs> so maybe the yeah, flight was to get there though. <laughs> the, so maybe the flight was at 10. Eight hours later would be six o'clock, which in in December in Chicago it'd be dark already. So at yeah. 6 p.m. for him, it is what 4 a.m. in Paris when they land. Mm-hmm. Time oh, no, land in the oh, sorry, midnight. It's six hours ahead. So 6 p.m. Yeah. in Chicago, it'd be midnight in Paris. And we just get the great Catherine O'Hara giving her just the range of emotions. She's, you know, she's scared. She's, perfect. she's, she's in, you know, she can go from being vulnerable and worried about her son to snapping. Um, she does it, it. This reminds me when the the way she snaps at, the um the people on the other end of the phone it re- reminds me of um of Beetlejuice she's got the great line where she's if you do not allow me to gut this house and make it my own i will go crazy and i will take you with me like just <laughs> no one delivers that kind of just snappy like mm-hmm. you know go just someone get in a car and go check on my son 
She does that better than anyone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's great. She's great. She's great. We all know she's great. And then yeah. you also get, um, as as you were mentioning um, earlier, Tierney, Tierney, we get uh, the great Terry Snell as mm-hmm. uh, Aunt Leslie kind of doing her thing. It's like, yeah, we called in. No one's answered. It's all answering machine. Um, I do feel a little bit bad that she just accosts this. Like, like there are <laughs> banks of telephones and she's just like, I'm going to have that phone now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're going to get out of my way because I'm Catherine O'Hara, basically. Yeah. Right. But I, well, I, well I, that little bit when she, what? When she Shut picks up the phone, she's like, hello, hello. Yeah. She'll that's call you back. Part. That's the, yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's so well done. And I, and, I feel the frustration with this folk. I'm like, don't transfer me back. <laughs> yeah. And it's great how calm they really are. They're just, I guess, cause you know, I'm sure a lot of people call up with, I don't want to say bogus reports, but they're just like, oh, okay, he's home alone. All right. Yeah. Fair lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I wonder, because at least I think we see during this call, she doesn't say he's eight years old. She just no. says, my son is home alone, which yeah. I think would be, okay, like... Yeah, you would... I think the presumption is... This this hysterical minor. woman is calling about a minor young child, but I think if she had said, uh, you know, put a number to it to emphasize the the you know, this is not my thirty two year old son who's home alone. This is my eight year old <laughs> son who's home. Alone. Well, they're just passing her back and forth, and I will say again, yeah. it, it goes back to what I said earlier. Everyone in this minute is trying their best. They do send a cop. They they do send, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, it's funny, but it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. You know what? They're, they're working the hotline. They're, they get all kinds of harried right. and panic people calling. So or they're especially not. Especially around the holidays. Especially around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Doubled and tripled. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> so distracted by that guy's donut. It's like on that. the receiver. It's so weird. <laughs> How are you eating that? Like, that's not it. how you eat a normal, like, it's not how you eat a donut. <laughs> yeah. And I know we do end the very last part is the cop approaching the door, which I think we get into more uh, with the next. I, I get to hear a knock and I get to see Kevin hiding under the blanket. But right. that cop is Chris Columbus's father-in-law. Oh, his father-in-law? Yes, he uh, he gave him this role. I guess he's in uh, what is, is it? Is it SAG? He's in or he's in the Actors Guild because yeah, of the, the Screen little, Actors yeah. Guild. Yeah, yeah, yes, he's in a lot of Chris Columbus's movies and these little parts uh, to get in the guild and whatnot. Oh, that's a nice little uh, thing for the in-laws. Yeah, but this, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't get over the donut one. The, I love it. The the eating <laughs> while you're on the phone. And like the foley, like we can hear, like it's it, it's hard for me to watch this scene, or it's hard for me to listen to this scene and hear this guy. Ch- as a podcaster, how you doing over there? As a podcaster, as someone who records people talking, and I'm just like, the worst thing you can do is be eating while you're talking. And there's like bit you can see the crumbs, like bits of donut are falling off of this thing. You know, it's funny and it's disgusting at the same time. <laughs> And he's got a stack. Like he, when he puts it up, there's a stack of donuts. He's got them piled up, three high on his desk there. <laughs> but yeah, great, great section. Oh, guys, so happy. I mean, the, the movie's great. That's that's the only thing we could say. I agree. 
<laughs> I, th- I think we all agree. And then, uh, so yes, yeah, so they, after getting transferred back and forth, finally, uh, Kate convinces them to send someone over and we end on a knock at the door. And presumably next time Kevin will answer the door and the cops will verify that he's okay. And then the movie's over. But yeah, uh, see him hiding under his parents' blanket. <laughs> like the like the little eight-year-old he is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I so, love that it's his parents' room that he always goes and hides in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's so is that so one of the things I was wondering. So like when you were as a kid, if you were home alone, presumably on purpose and not forgotten, like, <laughs> you know, what what were the forbidden things you would do or what would you do that you couldn't do otherwise? Because the for, statute on limitations on leaving your daughter who is technically too young to be left home alone, but only barely. Am I going to get my mom arrested? You know what? It was we grew up a lot faster then. It was so, a different yeah, definitely. My, I think no. Go ahead. Well, Sean could verify this. I, I believe I was. I mean, I, listen. This is going out to the millions of fans, but twelve, maybe. I, I think I was twelve or thirteen years old being left alone. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was mine. Yeah. yeah. I was I technically mean, like we knew legally I should not be home alone, but it was so close. Yeah. And it was my sister's seven years younger, and when my mom had to go pick her up from daycare. She, if I was like, I don't want to get into the car. I don't want to go pick up Elaine from daycare. She'd be like, <laughs> fine. And the thing was, I had to go. It was my parents' room, which mm-hmm. is why this made me think of yeah. it. Because it was the only one where our house is built into a hill. So if I went into my parents' room and closed that door, there was no way anyone could see that I was in that house. And they had a TV in their bedroom. So I mm-hmm. would watch the adventures of Tintin or whatever, and whatever else was on around that time every day (laughs) home alone. When I knew I wasn't supposed to be, and it was like, don't you answer that door. I don't, don't you answer that phone. I don't care what happens. You stay like, unless the house Mm -hmm. is on fire, do not come out of that room because do not leave. Do not open the door. Yeah. Yeah. I was just shy of being old enough to be left home alone. (laughs) Yeah, I th- I think around yeah probably twelve or thirteen around then where it would be like the first time I'd be like left at night and the only bedroom that had a TV w- was my parents' room so oh. that's I that's where I'd be I wouldn't necessarily be jumping on the bed with my boots on you know and a, a bag of microwave popcorn but yeah <laughs> I would be in my parents' room because that was the bedroom the only bedroom that had a TV so I can certainly see what where the the attraction that that it has for kevin yeah yeah same same for you brian yeah i mean just tv i mean what what tv movies that's what i that's that's mm-hmm. really the only thing i would do but i mean it was yeah 12 13 you know watching hbo pretty much sneaking hbo i i think is yeah vice i had back yeah then. well and i think not only was that the only bedroom that had a TV, that might have been the, for a long time, that was the only VCR. You know, there was another TV, mm. there was a, another TV downstairs in the family room. Our parents kept the VCR for themselves? They kept the VCR for themselves, yeah. See, now I'm remembering downstairs, was there no VCR? Well, and you, you came a little bit later than yeah. I did, so maybe by the time you came around. By the time you were 12, 13, there might have been like the second VCR. But I remember mm-hmm. the first VCR went into the parents' room. We mm-hmm. didn't get the, the kids didn't get the VCR. The parents got the VCR. All right. This is when 
VCRs were a thing. I think the happiest day of my mother's life was when I figured out how to put on my own VHS tapes so that she didn't have to do it for me. <laughs> there you go. If you can work the VCR and like fill a bowl with cereal and milk, that's All you great. Need, we can sleep man. Late. Tierney can yeah. take care of herself. <laughs> and so we lived in a two-family house. My grandparents lived upstairs, and my mom and her sister had lived there, you know, before my mom got married. And so there was a little mini fridge that I imagine before I came along was a um, beverage fridge for my yeah. mom and I. But when I came along, I thought it was perfectly normal to have your own little child-sized fridge for Yoohoo and stuff like that <laughs> that was under the counter. And so, yeah, I was I was all set. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only thing was I couldn't get my own water because we always had those big jugs in the fridge, mm-hmm. and I could I could get them open, but I had trouble getting them closed, and that <laughs> that only had to end badly so many times before it was like, you know what, have someone else get you water. Right, right, yeah. So that brings us to the end of this section of Home Alone. Any anything else you want to add on on movies, on this movie, on being Home Alone, Tierney? I, I would just. Shout out the score. I I mean, this movie in general is such a staple of the holidays now. I know multiple families who are like, it's not Christmas till we watch Home Alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I hear that a lot, too. Yeah, But for me, it's really the music that evokes it. Because there are Home Alone references and lines from this movie you could use year round. But the music of Home Alone. Obviously, the songs that are Christmassy, but like the whole thing is just like, yes, it's coming the winter. Yeah. Personally, I was surprised that this was John Williams. Like, I didn't remember that because I think of, and I think a lot of people, they think of Star Wars and Raiders and, uh, you know, those great scores that that John Williams does for those great action adventures and space operas and, 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 and the big things like that. Whereas this is smaller, smaller in terms of it's a smaller world. It's all centered around this little boy in this house. And it is, um, you know, it is a Christmas story. It is not a great space epic. Um, but but oh. John Williams brings his his talents to uh, to bear. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, that's John Williams conducting the Boston Pops Christmas album that I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was Christmas connected. <laughs> okay, yeah. Christmas connect. Uh, I'll have to see if I can find the actual album. It's it's John Williams directing the pots, but he did that a bunch of times. But there's one CD that has been in rotation since my dad bought it in the 90s that is just mm-hmm. perfect Christmas to me. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Um, all right. So yeah, music's great. Music's great. That it makes the movie. Yeah. Well, it, it for so many movies, score is so important, and and this is one of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Think of me when he does the rocking around the Christmas tree. I love that version of this song mm-hmm. or, or the version of the song that plays in this movie. And I yeah, always picture the me. Michael Jordan figure going around on the train <laughs> and him just like dancing like a maniac. <laughs> yeah. We'll certainly think of you then. That's another, another yeah. great scene. Um, yeah, that's, that's about all I got for this section. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so Tierney, if people want to hear more about your adventures, adventures, holiday, and otherwise, where can they find you? Uh, the best way to find me is to go to onesteelsister.com. That's O N E S T E E L E S I S T E R. 
That's my website. It has links to the podcast shows I've done, the podcasts I've guested on, links to my writing. And my Twitter and Instagram are just at one steel sister. So if you can find my website, you can find me everywhere, basically. There you go. Easy to remember. Yeah. One one steel sister. S-T-E-E-L-E. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. And then my little sister is steel sister two T-O-O. Spread that around. <laughs> she does not acknowledge that, but she's not involved in these podcasts. So <laughs> right. we're not asking her. We're asking you. So it's <laughs> exactly steel sister two. Make perfect sense to me. Um, so yeah, so folks definitely definitely check the, that out and the, the many great podcasts that that Tierney's been involved with, and then come back next time for the uh, the next part of Home Alone for the Holiday. Thank you.